Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Mystic Show. We are here live. It's Monday morning, and my name is Chris Curran, and I'm glad you could join me here on The Mystic Show. We do the show every weekday morning at 7 a.m. Eastern Time. And uh, the show also gets archived on our website, which is themysticshow.net. Themysticshow.net. And if you go there, you can also see our phone number, which you can use to call me live on the air if you have any questions or comments. So themysticshow.net, all the information's there, including all the past episodes, which you can browse by by title, which is by subject, what we discussed. And I want to start this morning by expressing my gratitude. And it's really a general gratitude about life itself. Um, you know, I think a lot of people have a much more difficult life than I do. And um, even still, at times I feel like things aren't going well or, you know, things should be better. And, I mean, living in New Jersey, which is being a suburb of New York City, being in the northeast of the United States, it's a very fast-paced area in terms of living, in terms of business. And it's very easy to get swept up into the whole fray. Um, As you know, I just, this past August, I spent about three weeks in India. And it was a great trip. I stayed in the ashram and I meditated a lot and I just got to relax and read some spiritual books and really just take it down about 25 notches. And then when I returned here to New Jersey, it's, you know, that condition, that really sublime condition lingers for a while. But now it's been, it's been almost two months since I've been home and I can actually feel I'm getting more acclimated to New Jersey's speed of life. And I have to keep, you know, keep an eye on my inner condition and make sure my inner condition remains the same. And uh, and that's part of the reason I'm grateful this morning. The other reason is because there there's been a miracle, <laughs> and I'm I'm half kidding, but I have to tell you this. Late last week, my my neighbors here in in the building here. They um, they came to me and, and told me that they were going to have to have this uh, computer server in the room, which is right on the other side of the wall of my studio. And the server is a little bit loud, actually, and you can hear it through the wall. And this was kind of disturbing to me, but I didn't know what to do, so I, I, I just said, okay. And uh, I did the show Thursday and Friday. I did several shows here at the studio uh, because I do other shows besides the Mystic Show. And so over the weekend, I actually played a part of Friday's show of me uh, reading from the James Allen book. And I turned it up real loud and way in the background... I heard the that computer server, <laughs> and oh, I mean, you can imagine a person who's an audio engineer, who's, uh, you might even call a stickler for perfection when it comes to the audio setup and the studio setup. I mean, it has to be right, right? <laughs> so I wasn't feeling too good about that especially last night, and um, I mean, I wasn't 
distraught, but it's one of those little thoughts in the nagging thoughts in the back of my mind that was like, you know, that's not good. <laughs> that was my thought. And so I opened the studio door this morning expecting to hear this server and I open the door and it's quiet. And they told me that it had to run 24-7. That it was just going to be running all the time, would never shut off. But this morning, even right now, there's no server noise. So, I don't know. It's not really a miracle, but in some way, in some way, and this is, this is not a good example of it, or, or maybe it is, but I'm not sure. But in some way, when when we're in pain and we're distraught and we're really worried about something and, and, and at, at the time that you finally give up and accept it and just say, okay, all right, God, you know, whatever you want to happen, just happen. That's okay. And as soon as, sometimes as soon as we let go and, and, you know, surrender might be a word for it, um, which is, which is actually a concept we're going to have to talk about on this show. It's a spiritual concept of surrender. Once you do that, it's, I think somehow the universe moves and says, okay, let me help this person just a little bit. So it's funny how the universe responds when our heart really calls out. I think the universe responds. And again, I think this example of the server is is not the best example because it's a very mundane little thing. I think in a lot of ways with our family members and our loved ones and our children um, and their well-being, I think this this concept is even more prevalent. So, so yeah, so last night I was, I was trying to make some business decisions and it was very difficult. Um, and I don't know, is it, is it hard for you to be, uh, I don't know if you have a business in, in a way, each of us is a business. We're always selling ourselves. Um, but if you, if you have a business, I mean, is it, do you find it difficult to make decisions sometimes? I know I do because the, like I said, the climate of life here in New Jersey and probably all around the world is very fast and very confusing and, and everyone else is running a hundred miles an hour. And part of, part of trying to be a spiritual person or live spirituality, I should say, is that we slow down, right? So we we want to slow down so we don't run 100 miles an hour with everyone else because we want to meditate, stop and smell the roses, etc. Be more aware, right? Not overload our senses. But the the one repercussion of that is that there's other business people out there who just, you know, eat, sleep, and breathe money. They just want to earn money. They're always thinking about money. They're always talking about money. They're always trying to sell stuff, make deals. And we know what happens in this universe when you really focus on something. You usually get it. Right? The law of attraction, whatever you want to call it. It's just focus. So how, in this case, in my case... How am I, as a spiritual aspirant, supposed to compete in business with these other people who are just like, I call them sharks. I mean, they're just man-eaters. They'll just mow you down. (laughs) They'll buy and sell your business if they have to. And I don't know, it's just a strange dichotomy of trying to live a spiritual life, but also trying to have a business and provide for me and my family. Sometimes it's it's difficult to understand, and sometimes it makes it difficult to make decisions. So that's where I was last night a little bit. Also, obviously, well, not obviously, but 
very grateful for my wife <laughs> who puts up with me. <laughs> well, and then on Saturday night, we saw this movie called Gravity. I don't know. Have you seen this movie, Gravity, with, um, oh boy, Sandra Bullock, that's it. And uh, who was the guy in that movie? Um, I can't remember his name. All the ladies will kill me because all the ladies like like him. Anyway, it's called Gravity. <laughs> uh, Sandra Bullock. If, if you know that guy's name, uh, that actor's name, I'll think of it in a second. But you can always call me, by the way. Um, anyway, the, the movie Gravity was pretty awesome, actually. And um, I, I don't want to talk about it at length, but basically they were in space making some repairs on the Hubble telescope, and then there was a problem, and their ship was destroyed, and so there they are in space. They're in, they're wearing their spacesuits, but there's no ship. Oh my! Anyway, it was a very good movie, very well done. We saw it in 3D, which was pretty cool. And the other thing I did on the weekend, or what did, first of all, what did you do? Did you go out hiking? Did you sit in a chair with a cup of tea and, and read your book? Anyway, Friday night we went to this, uh, it was kind of like a holistic event out in near Hackettstown. It was at Rutherford Hall and, um, was organized by a woman named Renee Jensen, and uh, man, what a great event. It was packed. There was all tables there. All different vendors had their, you know, some people had their crystals. Some people had, you know, uh, organic food, and some people had their photography, and there was people doing, I think, psychic readings, people doing massage, uh, pretty much any holistic New Age uh, topic was represented there. And they also had some, uh, lectures, which was pretty cool. And I met a very nice woman named, uh, Sandra Marie Humby. And, uh, she gave a talk about roses and the, uh, the significance of roses and not, not only roses, but the geometry of roses it was really interesting. And her, I actually spoke with her, uh, one on one, and I was asking her about a man named Dan Winter, and because uh, I've seen some Dan Winter DVDs, I, I bought some of his DVDs, and his teaching is really amazing. We'll have to do a whole show on Dan Winter, and maybe even he can Skype in. That would be the best, uh, or else I'll just try and summarize what uh, <laughs> what what I'm getting from Dan Winter. But anyway, Sandra and I were talking about tiny bit about Dan Winter, but also about what she's doing with uh, her rose cards. And and here's the thing. She's in New Jersey. She actually lives in the UK, but she's in New Jersey. And she may be able to come into the studio and be on the show later in the week. And hopefully uh, Renee Jensen can come with her as well. So that, that will just be amazing if that can happen. Um, so let's uh let's hope for that. So right now I think we should just take a quick little break and then we're going to get into um the next chapter of our book Byways of Blessedness. And it's actually a chapter, it's a short chapter. We're going to read the whole chapter today. It's just the same length of all the readings we've been doing. It's not any longer. Uh but this chapter is called Standing Alone. Standing alone. So let's just take a quick little break and we'll be right back.
thank you to Anya for that music. That's another title of hers that I cannot pronounce and I will not even attempt it. But it's off of her album, The Memory of Trees, which is a great album. My wife and I love that one and others from her. Obviously, I play little clips of her music on various interludes here. But you're listening to The Mystic Show, and this is the show where, uh, I don't know if I mentioned it at the top of the episode today, but this is the show where we talk about spirituality, mindfulness, meditation, and also self-help. And the, the, the overriding theme of this show is practicing these things in our everyday life. So we can talk about all kinds of cool and awesome and crazy subjects. I love it. But each each thing we talk about, I it has to be applicable to our everyday life. Because that's that's what we're all trying to do. We're all trying to learn and implement these spiritual concepts into our daily life so we can live a happier life and help other people live a happier life. So if you have any thoughts about that, you can always give us a call. And the the website is themysticshow.net, and you can see all of our information there. But let's get right into it. Uh, this is chapter 12, actually. Chapter 12 of our book, the book that we're reading, it's called Byways of Blessedness by James Allen. He's the English mystic who we... Uh, we really appreciate his writing so much. And I was actually mentioning to my wife that it would be nice if maybe if there's a, a member of James Allen's family who's still maybe publishing some of his books or, uh, you know, somehow involved with his writing, uh, maybe we can get them on the show as well. That would be amazing. Because I I really want to know more about James Allen. I mean, a man who could write like this. I mean, just apparent from what I know in general, he lived a fairly normal life, meaning just working and you know, I I I think he had a family. I'm not sure. But then I think he retired and went to the country and started meditating, and then he started writing, and he just wrote the most tremendous books on spirituality and and living these principles. So it's really amazing. And this, the last chapter we read was called Solitude, which was all about, obviously, spending time with yourself, going into silence. And his, his message, one of the messages from that chapter was that that's really where our strength comes from. And our genius, he calls it as well. Our strength comes from being by ourselves and sort of taking a swim in that infinite ocean within our hearts and refreshing ourselves. So solitude, that was a great chapter. But this chapter is called Standing Alone. It's chapter 12 from Byways of Blessedness by James Allen. In the life of blessedness, self-reliance is of the utmost importance. If there is no peace, there must be strength. If there is to be security, there must be stability. If there is to be lasting joy, there must be no leaning upon things which at any moment may be snatched away forever. A man does not commence to truly live until he finds an immovable center within himself on which to stand, by which to regulate his life, and from which to draw his peace. If he trusts to that which fluctuates, he also will fluctuate. 
if he leans upon that which may be withdrawn, he will fall and be bruised. If he looks for satisfaction in perishable accumulations, he will starve for happiness in the midst of plenty. Let a man learn to stand alone, looking to no one for support, expecting no favors, craving no personal advantages, not begging nor complaining, not craving nor regretting, but relying upon the truth within himself, deriving his satisfaction and comfort from the integrity of his own heart. If a man can find no peace within himself, where shall he find it? If he dreads to be alone with himself, what steadfastness shall he find in company? If he can find no joy in communion with his own thoughts, how shall he escape misery in his contact with others? The man who has yet found nothing within himself upon which to stand will nowhere find a place of constant rest. Men everywhere are deluded by the superstition that their happiness rests with other people and with outward things. And, as a result, they live in continual disappointments, regrets, and lamentations. The man who does not look for happiness to any others or to external things, but finds within its but finds within himself its inexhaustible source, will be self-contained and serene under all circumstances, and will never become the helpless victim of misery and grief. The man who looks to others for support, who measures his happiness by the conduct of others and not by his own, who depends upon their cooperation for his peace of mind, such a man has no spiritual foothold. His mind is tossed hither and thither with the continual changes going on around him and he lives in that ceaseless ebb and flow of the spirits, which is wretchedness and unrest. He is a spiritual cripple, and has yet to learn how to maintain his mental center of gravity, and so go without the aid of crutches. As a child learns to walk in order to go about from place to place of itself, strong and unaided, so should a man learn to stand alone, to judge and think and act for himself, and to choose, in the strength of his own mind, the oath way which he shall walk. Without is change and decay and insecurity. Within is all surety and blessedness. The soul is sufficient of itself. Where the need is there is the abundant supply. Your eternal dwelling place is within. Go there and take possession of your mansion. There you are a king. Elsewhere you are a vassal. 
be contented that others shall manage or mismanage their own little kingdom and see to it that you reign strongly over your own. Your entire well-being and the well-being of the world lies there. You have a conscience. Follow it. You have a mind. Clarify it. You have a judgment. Use and improve it. You have a will. Employ and strengthen it. You have knowledge. Increase it. There is a light within your soul. Watch it. Tend it. Encourage it. Shield it from the winds of passion. And help it to burn with a steadier and even steadier radiance. Leave the world and come back to yourself. Think as a man. Act as a man. Live as a man. Be rich in yourself. Be complete in yourself. Find the abiding center within you and obey it. The earth is maintaining its orbit by its obedience to its center, the sun. Obey the center of light that is within you. Let others call it darkness if they will. You are responsible for yourself, are accountable to yourself. Therefore, rely upon yourself. If you fear yourself, who will place confidence in you? If you are untrue to yourself, where shall you find the sweet satisfaction of truth? The great man stands alone in the simple dignity of independent manhood. He pursues his own path fearlessly and does not apologize or beg leave. Criticism and applause are no more to him than the dust upon his coat of which he shakes himself free. He is not guided by the changing opinions of men, but guides himself by the light of his own mind. Other men barter away their manhood for messes of flattery or fashion. Until you can stand alone, looking for guidance neither to spirits, nor, to, nor mortals, gods, nor men, but guiding yourself by the light of the truth within you, you are not unfettered and free, not altogether blessed. But do not mistake pride for self-reliance. To attempt to stand upon the crumbling foundation of pride is to be already fallen. No man depends upon others more than the proud man. He drinks in their approbation and resents their censure. He mistakes flattery for sound judgment, and is most easily hurt or pleased by the opinions of others. His happiness is entirely in the hands of others. But the self-reliant man stands 
not upon personal pride, but on an abiding law, principle, ideal, reality within himself. Upon this, he poises himself, refusing to be swept from his strong foothold either by the waves of passion within or the storms of opinion without. But should he at any time lose his balance, he quickly regains himself and is fully restored. His happiness is entirely in his own hands. Find your center of balance and succeed in standing alone. And, whatever your work in life may be, you will succeed. You will accomplish what you set your mind upon. For the truly self-reliant man is the invincible man. But though you do not reply, rely upon others, learn of them. Never cease to increase in knowledge and be ever ready to receive that which is good and useful. You cannot have too much humility. The most self-reliant men are the most humble. No aristocrat, no prince born to the purple, can begin to compare with the self-respect of the saint. Why is he lowly but that he knows that he can well afford it, resting on the largeness of God in him? Learn of all men, and especially of the masters of truth. But do not lose your hold upon the truth that the ultimate guidance is in yourself. A master can say, Here is the path. But he can neither compel you to walk it, nor walk it for you. You must put forth your own efforts, must achieve by your own strength, must make his truth your truth, by your unaided exertions. You must implicitly trust yourself. You are to be master of yourself, lord over yourself, not fawning and imitating, but doing your work as a living, vital portion of the universe giving love but not expecting it, giving sympathy but not craving for it, giving aid but not depending on it. If men should censure your work, heed them not. It suffices that your work be true. Rest you in this sufficiency. Do not ask, will my work please? But, is it real? If your work be true, the criticism of men cannot touch it. If it be false, their disapproval will not slay it quicker than it will die of itself. The words and acts of truth cannot pass away until their work is fully accomplished. The words and acts of error cannot remain, for they have no work to do. Criticism and resentment are alike superfluous. Free yourself from the self-imposed tyranny of slavish dependence 
and stand alone. Not as an isolated unit, but as a sympathetic portion of the whole. Find the joy that results from well-earned freedom, the peace that flows from wise self-possession, the blessedness that inheres in native strength. Okay, that's chapter 12, Standing Alone. We'll just take a quick break real quick. Thank you to Tool for that little piece of the song called Right In Two. Goes on to become quite heavy, but the lyrics are really amazing. I'm going to have to do a whole show about great song lyrics of, you know, these heavy bands that everyone thinks, you know, they worship the devil. Um some of their lyrics are unbelievable. I mean, I don't know if you've ever read the lyrics to, um, there's a song called Children of the Grave that was by Black Sabbath, you know, Ozzy Osbourne, who's known as the Prince of Darkness, right? If you ever read that song, Children of the Grave, I mean, what an uplifting song for the future of humanity. I mean, it's just it's beautiful. I'll have to read those lyrics sometime. But you're listening right now to The Mystic Show. And our website is themysticshow.net. And we're talking about different spiritual topics, different self-help topics. And if you want to participate, you can. You can send us a message through the website. We have a, a contact us page, or you can call up. The phone number is on the website, and we do the show live every weekday morning at 7 a.m. Eastern time. Uh, that's New York City time, and we also replay the show um, in the evening twice. And we do this. We broadcast on the Fractal Stream. That's our internet radio station. And um, just a quick note about the Fractal Stream. There's all there's other shows we do that replay, um, and there's music that plays around the clock. So you can just listen to the Fractal Stream anytime, anytime you feel like it. And the website for that is fractalstream.net. And you can find that too on the mysticshow.net page. So, right now, have you seen the movie, oh, oh yeah, uh, Rocky 3? Have you seen the movie Rocky 3? That's with, uh, obviously, Sylvester Stallone as Rocky, but um, I think Mr. T plays a character called Clubber Lang, and it's Rocky 3, and that's the episode where um, where. Rocky's manager Mickey actually dies um, and this movie came out in the 80s right I think the late 80s and of course I was in high school and it was pretty cool I mean because Mr. T was kind of a tough guy and and it was a good it, it's a very good story actually so 
Um, but one of the things after after Rocky's manager dies in the movie, he kind of loses his mojo. You know, he loses his uh, will to to fight. He, he's very depressed because Mickey died. And so he starts training with his old rival, Apollo Creed. And Apollo's trying to train Rocky. And Rocky's just very depressed and he's not really giving it 100%. And Apollo kind of yells at him. And says, man, what are you what are you doing? You know? Kind of gave him the speech that I that I uh gave to you all on last Thursday. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Anyway. Um, yeah, so Apollo, you know, kind of says, Hey, you either gonna do this or you're not gonna do it. You know, you have to decide. And he he tells Rocky, he says, Remember. Remember back when you fought me a years, few years ago when you were a new, the new guy, you were up and coming and he said, you know, you were, you were strong and you really wanted it. And he said, you had that eye of the tiger, you know, you just something in your eye that was, you, you were not going to be denied, right? It's that eye of the tiger, that focus. So that if you think about it in sports it's easy to kind of think that way you need to have the eye of the tiger you know focus 100% you know cuz sports is very mundane in a way and if you practice and practice and practice you can just focus on it and really block out everything else kind of a thing um I have. I want to tell you a story about when I used to play baseball, actually. But the whole point of this segment is that, you know, this having the eye of the tiger, being focused and determined to succeed. We know it in the field of sports, but how about in the field of spirituality? So I think in the field of spirituality, we do need to have that eye of the tiger, that focus and determination. But I also think it's a different type of focus and determination. It's not a very mundane, you know, we have to be serious and not smile and, you know, we have to um, work really hard and serve other people really seriously. Um, it Right? It shouldn't be like that. It's almost like an inner eye of the tiger. Like the third eye of the tiger. <laughs> Maybe that'll be the title of this segment, right? The third the third eye of the tiger. So there's, a, there's a movie waiting to happen. Someone will take that and run with it. Right? So there's a difference between being serious in purpose and serious in our demeanor. Right, the per the purpose of our spiritual pursuit is very serious. Right, we want to we want to attain spiritual elevation, so we graduate out of this material world into a higher plane or somewhere. That's you know right. It's, it everyone says life is a school, so we have to learn what we're learning now very well. So we're, we graduate to the next level. Um, do you believe that? Do you believe life is a school? I'm curious. You can call me. I'll give you the number right now, actually. All right? If you want to get a pen ready, you have a pen, pencil. Does anyone have pencils anymore? All right, the number to call me is 973 Four nine eight eight zero three three nine seven three four nine eight eight zero three three. So our purpose in spirituality is very serious, but our demeanor in everyday life should doesn't have to be serious. In fact, it probably should not be serious. It should probably be light and fun and 
you know, um, carefree or sort of detached, maybe something like that. So this inner eye of the tiger, right? So like I said, with sports, it's easy to teach kids and to teach players to be really focused. And I mean, obviously when you're playing baseball and you step into the batter's box and you're waiting for the pitcher to throw this little hard ball at you at about 90 miles an hour, I mean, obviously you're very focused. You're not thinking about your homework or, you know, your girlfriend or anything else because you actually might be in harm's way. If he throws the ball a little to the right, it might hit you and hurt you pretty bad. So so it's easy to be very focused in that situation. Um, but it's interesting. I, I, there's this one game I played in, in, I, okay. So I played baseball in high school and I played baseball my whole life. But once I got to high school, um, I was pretty good. I, I, I probably thought I was better than I really was, but I was pretty good. I was a pitcher and I was a pitcher my whole life. And, um, so in high school, I think it was by my senior year, I was a relief pitcher, so I'd come in in the middle of the game or near the end of the game, and it's funny, I I think in the season there was maybe 25 games, and in five games, I was brought into the game in the last inning with the bases loaded and with nobody out, so it... it Basically, what I I came into the worst situation, literally the worst situation possible. There's no worse situation that I could have come in the game. Literally, no worse situation. And I think I I succeeded in getting out of that situation. I think four out of five times. But actually, one of those times, I considered that I got out of the situation but we really didn't. So so one it was again the 7th inning, last inning of the game cuz you only play 7 innings in high school. I think. Yeah, 7. So last inning they bring me in with the bases loaded and I got to get three guys out and I can't let any runs score. <laughs> so I forget what happened with the first guy, maybe he popped up and we got an out, so that's one out. Second guy uh, maybe I struck him out, right? Maybe he struck out. So now there's two outs, the base is loaded, and I have to get this last out. So I'm pitching, and the batter hits a fly ball to right field. Just a regular old fly ball. Regular, just very easy. A very easy, regular, run-of-the-mill fly ball. And our right fielder, gets under it and and for some reason he missed it like it hit off his glove and went behind him and since there was two outs all the runners on the bases were just running around they're just running and uh so as soon as he dropped it like two people had already scored so the game was over like it literally when the glo- when the ball dropped off his glove that's it the game's over we lose and he threw his glove. He turned around and threw his glove, and he was so mad, you know, because it's embarrassing to drop a fly ball. I mean, it does happen. It rarely happens, but it does happen. Even the best, you know, very rarely, but still it happens. And But you feel horrible when it does happen. So he dropped the ball, he threw his glove, and he just turned around and started walking the other way with his hands on his hips and he was he was cursing himself pretty good. He was really in a bad way. And um the rest of our team started just running off the field because the game's over. And I don't know why, but what I did is I I ran out to him. I just felt like I had to go out there and I told him I said, "Man, let's go. Don't worry about it. Let's go. Get your glove. Come on." I said, seriously, don't worry about it. It's all good. And I patted him on the shoulder, you know. And 
because he was so mad. I mean, you can't, it's hard to explain, right? But it was interesting because that's what he needed, I think, at that moment was just someone to, especially me, because in a way, I did some good pitching to get out of the jam, but then he ruined it. I mean, that's one way to look at it. So I felt I should just tell him it's okay, you know? And so then we, at the end of the year, when we had our uh, baseball dinner, the coach actually told that story that, you know, how I ran out there. Cause it's, it's, he's my teammate, you know, he's, he's my teammate, whether he drops a ball or not, he, he's on my team and he's my right fielder. He's, he's our right fielder. So there, I mean, you can't, how could you be mad at someone or not talk to them or, right? It's not possible to be like that. So anyway, if he, I don't know if he wasn't focused or if it was just, he dropped the ball, but you know, in sports, it, you know, how much you focus de- determines a lot how you do. Um, there's another story here. This, this is a little more relevant to the eye of the tiger. Um, <clears throat> I was, again, it was my senior year in baseball in high school and we were facing this pitcher who, um, who was throwing very hard. This was the heart. This was the fastest throwing pitcher I had ever seen in my life because in high school, you usually face guys thrown in the upper seventies to, you know, to mid eighties, like 80, 85 miles an hour would be very fast in high school. Well, this, this guy was throwing like 93 or 95 and it's, it gets really hard to see the ball <laughs> when it's coming that fast. It, it's really, it, it's strange how quick the ball comes in. I mean, when you watch baseball on TV, you can't, that, that's like in slow motion. When you're really there on the field, it, it happens so fast. It, it, it's unbelievable. So this guy was throwing really hard and it was my turn to go up and, and bat. So I, I just said to myself, you know what, I'm, here's what I'm going to do. <laughs> you know, you got to make a plan for yourself in situations like these. I made a plan. I said, look, I'm just going to go up there. And if the ball is even close to the plate, I'm just going to swing. And I'm going to try and hit it. And I thought, and if I swing three times and I miss... I don't care. Like, I'm just going to go swing three times. Because there's nothing worse in baseball when you go up there and you don't swing the bat. And the ball comes over and it's a strike and strike three, you're out. Go sit down. <laughs> I mean, that's <laughs> that's pretty embarrassing too. So I said, you know what? I'm just going to swing three times. I mean, I'm just, if it's close, I'm swinging and that's it. I don't know what's going to happen, but that's what I'm going to do. So that's what I did. And the first pitch came in and I I don't think I even saw it. (laughs) And I was like, wow. So I don't know if it was the second or third pitch, but I swung and I hit it. I hit the weakest (laughs) ground ball possible. And it went right past the pitcher. He tried to get it, but he barely missed it. And the ball kept going really slow up toward up the middle towards second base, and then the the shortstop and second baseman both barely missed it, and the ball went into the outfield. So I got a hit. I I ran down to first base, and I felt like wow, you know. I I mean I was pretty proud of myself that I got a hit off of a pitcher throwing that hard. It wasn't you know it wasn't a flashy hit. <laughs> It wasn't glamorous, <laughs> but I got a hit. I was on base. Then he almost picked me off because he because he threw so hard over to first base. I had to dive back, and he almost picked me off. But but my point is, there's times when we really need to focus and be determined in sports. Right? That's clear. But how does that translate to our spiritual lives? You know, our spiritual lives are much more subtle. So it's not that you're going to go 
up to the batter's box and, and face a pitcher who's throwing really hard. In a spiritual sense, it might be you're, uh, you're interacting with another human being who might need some help. You know, uh, maybe someone on the side of the road, they got a flat tire. And it's in the middle of nowhere. And you might want to just stop by and say, hey, how you doing? You need help? What's up? I mean, in a way, to be able to make that decision, to pull over your car and help somebody, maybe that's the moment that that spiritual focus and determination might be able to help us. So the eye of the tiger, it, it kind of applies in spirituality. Another, another way it applies is that, you know, the more we meditate, the more we become aware of our thoughts. And the more we become aware of our thoughts, you can kind of feel or, yeah, you just feel like when you're starting to have thoughts that are not so good. So if we can have a subtle awareness of, hey, you know, my thoughts aren't so good now, or or maybe you're like watching a movie or listening to some music and now you're all confused and you're all thinking about different things and... um. Or maybe it's after all that stuff and you just can't stop your mind from thinking certain things. Well, it's good to be aware of your thought patterns and to be able to reel yourself in if you need to. So so the eye of the tiger is important and also being a team player is important too, you know? That's another thing in sports, which the first story I told, that's that's actually what that was about. I probably should have told those stories in the reverse order. But you get the point. So so this has been great. This has been a great show. I thank you for listening. Um, this is The Mystic Show. Our website is themysticshow.net. And we're all on the spiritual journey. We're all on our way to somewhere. Where do you think we're going? Where do you think you're going? I was just going to ask you too, what's, what do you think is going to happen at the moment of death? But, you know, that might be a little deep and heavy for the very end of a show. Um, so, again, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. Go to our website and you could see all the previous episodes, themysticshow.net. Send us a note. We re- really want to know what you're doing on your spiritual journey and some of the trials and tribulations you're facing as well as some of your successes so so as you move through your day today hold on to this good vibration be hopeful be happy and as always keep shining <laughs>